reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 92 of Bleeding Blue. And yes, we have a roundtable conversation planned today for you, all you lovely people in this entire world with the guys over at Talking Giants. Bobby, big time Sports Illustrate Skinner and Danny Boy King are here. And also David's here too. My intro just sounded so boring without the Sports Illustrated part. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm better I'm better than everyone. That's that's basically where we're at right now. What do you and and, and hold on hold on? What do you mean? And David's here. Like I get that I'm always here, but like Justin, for for someone who's considered the favorite co-host, as you so often say correctly, by the way, that's that's disappointing. I'm I'm very upset. I would tend to disagree with you because I'm the best. Justin, I went to battle for you against Carl Banks, similarly to Marquise Pouncey defending Mason Rudolph, and this is how you repay me? Yes, sir. It's good to know. Bad guy move number one of the Bad episode. guy move. Absolutely. Goes to Justin. All right, so David, since I was so mean to you, why don't we check in with you first on how you are doing? I'm doing okay. I appreciate that, Justin. Thank you. We're made up now. Um... I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to have Bobby and Danny on. Love talking to them. I'm kind of happy that it's a bye week. I can sit Sunday and just watch football like nothing is nothing's going on, and I can just relax and watch a bunch of dudes hit each other, and it's a good time. I'm excited. Danny Boy King, let's throw it over to you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, yeah, I'm just excited I don't have to deal with the Giants this week because they already bothered me enough as it is on the on the daily, and now I won't have to hear Pat Shermer talk to the media for a week. It, it's a great time right now, just not having to worry about any of this, and just to enjoy football as an actual fan. Hell yeah, we're not. No way in hell. Bobby Skinner, <laughs> no longer at Bobby Skinner NFL, by the way. Go follow Talking talking Giants. Go follow Talking Nets. Bobby Skinner, how are you? Stick to football. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, I have the Orlando Magic, uh, San Antonio Spurs in the background. Um, it's it's two of the most boring teams in the NBA, so it won't distract me too much. But, you know, Orlando's the the home team. But, yeah, I'm glad to be on. Love talking with you guys. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to roll. And I talked to, I talked to uh, an internet guy today on the phone, and we were talking about stuff. He's like, yeah, I had DirecTV because I'm a Giants fan. I was like, no way, man. I, too, am a Giants fan. He said to be patient. And it, remi- it just reminded me that – not everyone is a rabid Twitter user. Did you network? No, I'm, I'm, I'm too, I, I can't be like, hey, man, like you should follow me on Twitter. Like that is probably the corniest thing you could ever say to anybody. And he seemed like a cool guy. So I was like, no, nah, like 
Like Carlos, like I'm not going to tell Carlos to follow me on Twitter. I'm like, dude, just just believe in this team and we'll, we'll, we'll be going, good going <laughs> forward. Like I can't tell people about this stuff in real life. By you, Bobby, just saying that you can't just tell people to follow you on Twitter. You just ruin Justin's mood because he does that all the time. <laughs> guarantee it. I don't, I don't know that for a fact actually, but I would guarantee oh, yeah. that he's walking around St. Joe's campus all day and saying, Hey, uh, have, have you uh, checked out uh bleeding blue? Uh, why don't you go listen? Uh, JPEG 74. This actually leads into a very funny story because today, like, so the, the newspaper on campus is called, the Hawk, it will never die because St. Joseph's University, we are the Hawks. So the Hawk will never die. This is true. So the Hawk was looking for, <laughs> they're writing a story on podcasting and they were looking for somebody who has a sustainable podcast. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just like slide into this girl's messages right now and just be like, <laughs> hey, you want to interview me? So it was a good little 15 minute interview today where I like Twitter's like my main base and. <laughs> We have 96 five-star ratings in the Apple <laughs> Podcast app. Help us get to 100, please. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'd be lying. If I, I am, on my college application, they did ask me, like, do you have any social media platforms? I'm like, follow me on Twitter at Danny King NFL if you want to check it out. <laughs> Danny, didn't you have, like, a family member, like, run into somebody? And they're like, oh, I'm listening to this Talking Giants podcast. Oh, oh yeah my cousin who's up in a uh, college he uh his guy was like listening to the show he's like what are you listening he's like i listen to this show called talking giants i'm like and my cousin's like wait the, the football podcast he's like yeah that he's like my cousin's on that and i was like damn that's crazy that someone actually listens <laughs> to our show that's nuts that's awesome i haven't ran into that in florida yet you people in florida are different <laughs> talking alligators well now that well now that bobby is uh is Bobby Sports Illustrated Skinner? He's that. That's bound to happen. Funny story about that because it is like I hate I hate I compliments and and Justin will like give me compliments just to make me uncomfortable. But I did put it on my Facebook. You know, no, nobody from like this <laughs> land follows me, like or as friends with me on Facebook. And I put it on Facebook like, hey, something cool. You know, I'm doing a weekly thing for Sports Illustrated. I was like, it's something that would bore all of you guys, but thought I'd share. And my my best friend, he uh. He replies, no one cares, you know, and we're just, you know, we like to bust each other's balls. And so I respond to make him look bad. And I said, you're a bully, man. Do you feel better about yourself when you talk to people like that? And then my first grade teacher who added me on Facebook like two weeks ago uh, replied and just called him a loser. And like, I feel so sorry about your life to him. And that was just good. And then he actually, I don't even want to go any further. It, it, It just turned into this whole thing that it didn't need to be. First grade teacher's a savage. I know. She just added me like two weeks ago. So basically to give some context on what we're doing here um, and why it seems like we're we're very close, it's because we are. And basically, you know, the, these are two fan podcasts. We both have two fan podcasts. There aren't uh, there aren't a ton of them out there for the Giants. And I feel like uh, we, we are two of uh, one of the most dedicated uh, fan Giants podcasts where we really do try to give that fan perspective in a multitude of ways where I feel like Bleeding Blue uh, tries to definitely uh, channel the more humorous side of things and Talking Giants definitely does try to channel the more analytical and film part of those things. Analytical meaning analyzing. Um, and I think I think Bleeding Blue does a good job of bringing in stats and, and the analytics uh, of that as yeah, well. Yeah, Justin, I agree. You're so much funnier than us. Well, <laughs> not, a, not according to UCLA professor, but neither here nor there. He hates us. 
no, I think I honestly don't even think he listens, but because he would know that he's a he he would know that he became like a, a, a figure to anybody who listens to our podcast consistently. He's a household name. Yeah. Go look on Apple, the Apple five. Go look on the they're not all five star ratings. Go look on the Apple ratings, uh, the reviews and find UCLA professors review. But anyway, uh, basically having these podcasts has resulted in, uh, I would say, four very good friendships that we have with each other. And uh, every once in a while, we like to get we like to get together. We like to bleed blue and we like to talk giants together. And we figured the bye week would be a great time to do it. So um, let's start it off. Not by talking giants, not by bleeding blue, but let's start off with basically a story that's kind of it's kind of taken over the country, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of taken some interesting routes and taken interesting forms of you know people excusing certain actions and conspiracy theories, some might call it. But let's talk about Miles uh, Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Fun little fun little Thursday night football game and the way that that way that that game ended. So I, I want to get. I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, I want to, the, the suspensions at this point, when we're recording, they've been handed down. Both teams have been fined uh, $250,000, which I was I was more looking forward to the fine part of it, fine aspect of it, because I knew that suspensions were going to be handed down. But I was looking forward how much money these guys were actually going to lose. So uh, let's get some thoughts. Let's start off there, and then we'll get into the Giants. All right, so I, I feel like the internet has like just broken everyone to where – like, nobody can agree on anything. Like, oh, we're all agreeing? We'll have to have a different take. So, like, people are saying, well, like, part of the blame is on Mason Rudolph and this and that. Miles Garrett, they were blitzing the crap out of them at the end of the game. The game was over, trying to pad stats and get hits. And then Miles Garrett hits Mason Rudolph and tackles him to the ground. And Rudolph, I guess you could say, started it by, like, grabbing the back of his helmet and then pushing him once his helmet was ripped off by Miles Garrett. But like I, I feel like we're forgetting the fact that he donkey konged this dude with a helmet. Like I don't, I don't. There's no reaction. Like if say if Mason Rudolph just did what he did and then it stopped there, would anybody even be talking about this? I can't believe people are trying to blame Mason Rudolph for it. Um, now I do think Mason Rudolph is soft for his camp even imagining things like oh we might take legal actions. Like dude, you're a loser. You're in the NFL. Like, I, I've lost all respect for you going forward just because your camp said we're going to think about taking legal action. It's like, dude, that's, that's soft as soft can be. But Miles Garrett, um, now, do I think it's like the craziest thing I've ever seen in the NFL? I don't know. Probably not. But I think they got it right with six, like six games sounds about right. Um, Pouncey, I, I would have liked to see at one game, although three games make sense. But he is that back there backing his guy. But it, I think if he just hit him, but like kicking him in the head, I think that is what turned it from like one games to three games. And then the guy coming and pushing at the end. I don't know. I just feel like it's crazy how no one, like how we're all like debating this. It's like, no, there is no, nothing Mason Rudolph did warranted that. Like if, 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 if Miles Garrett just doesn't do anything after that, we don't talk about this. It's there's not even a penalty on the field for it. I mean, you're already winning by you. You already had the game one at that point. It's 21 seven. There is literally no point in doing what he did. And yeah, I hate people are just trying to somehow find a way to blame Mason Rudolph. It's like at that point you're just you're just oblivious to the fact that Miles Garrett literally ripped off his helmet and swung it at his head. Like yeah, they're both going at it, but like you, you don't rip off someone else's helmet and throw it on your head. I feel like that's common sense. But Miles Garrett, he right there and then didn't have the common sense. And then you also had that Larry, whatever his name, come in when Mason Rudolph wasn't even looking at him and just completely shoved him. That's another like cowardly move. You're he said he was going after to help his guy, Miles Garrett. It's like you went after 
uh, Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett's getting ground and pounded by Marquise Pouncey and another lineman. Yeah, it was just a terrible night. I mean, I loved it, to be honest. No, yeah. And then the Giants-Cowboys <laughs> game, I was like, man, at this point, you're just shoving each other. Get something going. And then Browns and Steelers made up for that, and here we are today. And I'm... It was more annoying that also that Baker Mayfield became a true leader in that moment. I was like, I can't say anything bad about Baker because he said everything right that he should have. It's like, I hate you, Baker. <laughs> but why do you have to even say anything? Like, literally, like, if Daniel Jones is on that football field, right? If Daniel Jones or Eli Manning is on that football field. Will Hernandez would have killed somebody if that was Daniel Jones, by the way. Well, I had a very, I had a, sorry to interrupt, but I had a very real moment this morning. I was like, man, if they did the Daniel Jones, I literally would have to go like throw bricks through Miles Garrett's window. Like I feel like I would have that responsibility. <laughs> I think like the collection of New York City probably would have would have arrived at Miles Garrett's doorstep and like done something to his home. I completely agree with you, Bobby. And Pittsburgh's gonna do it, by the way. Like this story's not over. Pittsburgh is going to do something to Miles Garrett. <laughs> Wait, d- December first at four twenty five, we're all watching Steelers Browns. That's the truth. Oh, for sure. For sure. We should live stream it. <laughs> Okay, Justin, as you were saying. No, but I was just saying how, like, why? I know people are, like, like commending Baker Mayfield for what he said, but why Why do you have to say anything? Well, he was asked. You could, literally, you could literally, he was asked, but you could literally say, you know, I was on the bench. I wasn't really seeing what was happening. I couldn't really see the Jumbotron. I was kind of, like, looking at plays or whatever. Like, you could literally divert. Why does he literally not divert anything? Oh, I, I have, I actually have no problem with what he said. I think, I think what he said actually showed a level of maturity that we have not seen from Baker Mayfield in some time. He didn't throw his teammate under the bus. He didn't say, you know, Miles Garrett is a thug. He just said he's going to get suspended, and you can't hurt the team like that. And and he, what I liked was he kind of made it an accountability moment for the entire team. He he made it, he made it a moment of we keep doing this to ourselves. We need to stop. So I actually don't mind what he said as someone who can't stand Baker Mayfield. I actually applaud him for the way he handled it. He was asked a question. He didn't dodge it. He handled that in the best possible way he could have. In my opinion, I I get what you're saying, Justin, but in my opinion, I think that was the best way he could have handled it. It was a lose lose for Baker, yeah. Either way, because if he didn't comment, everyone's like, "Oh, he's he's avoiding everything." But like, if he since he did comment on, it's like, "Why'd you comment on?" It? It's like he had no real winning option, and he just said, "I'm gonna get asked this question a million times. I might as well just answer it now." Yeah, I'm very glad that at five and six, uh, that that football team with one of the most talented rosters on paper in the NFL, finally glad that they're taking accountability for themselves. Very they're, very happy. For them. They're not even five and six; they only have four wins. They're four and six. Oh, they're four. And, they're four and six. All right. Well, well, yeah, ba- bad right. guy move number two on my part. Get it right. Um, really quick, I, 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 and Justin, you haven't really either addressed how you feel about the way the NFL handled it. I, I think the NFL handled, um, the suspensions and everything pretty well. I think Miles Garrett being suspended indefinitely makes total sense. I, I have a little bit more of an issue than Danny or Bobby clearly with what Mason Rudolph did. I don't there is absolutely no excuse for what Miles Garrett did. Don't get me wrong. There there's no excuse for using a helmet as a as a weapon. You know, put it this way. If if Miles if if Miles Garrett had just stopped at the point of taking of ripping Mason Rudolph's helmet off, he would have gotten flagged. He probably would have gotten fined. But he wouldn't have got suspended. 
and and we really wouldn't be talking about it anymore. It would have just been like a, a a nasty move by a nasty defensive lineman. What Mason Rudolph did was was really really dirty, and and, and you know if you watch that replay. He was really ripping at Miles Garrett's helmet. I mean, his helmet was Miles Garrett's helmet was halfway off. So to then stand at your post game in your post game press conference and play victim and say that the guy's a thug and the guy's a coward, I don't know what's I don't I can't think of things that are much more cowardice than standing on the podium knowing you instigated that. I'm not saying it's right what Miles Garrett did by any stretch of the imagination, but he instigated it to then say, oh, woe is me. I can't believe he did that. That's just his character. I don't know. That that feels kind of that feels that feels like a low move in my opinion. I, I, I hundred percent agree that Mason Rudolph is soft. Like and I made the point about his lawyer. I think he is he is a soft dude. He also stinks. Yeah, he does. Uh and that's like taking a like that, this has taken all the focus away of how bad he was. Um, but also, like that kind of stuff happens pretty often. Like and now, maybe not at the quarterback position, but guys yes. like ripping at each other's helmets, like that. That kind of stuff happens more often. You just don't hear about it because it's like one, it was national TV, and two, Miles Garrett literally hit him in the face with a helmet. Yeah, and that and that's kind of my ultimate point. So, like. I agree with you. I, th- I think those kinds of things at the bottom of dog piles happen all the time. I think guys ripping at each other's helmets where it escalates. And this is why Miles Garrett is no doubt in the wrong in comparison to, to Mason Rudolph. Where it escalates is when Mason Rudolph with his helmet off, you know, kind of charges up Miles Garrett. First of all, what did Mason Rudolph expect was going to happen exactly when you charge at a guy much bigger than you who's clearly got a who, – who has a – who has a history of being a little bit more violent than you do in the yeah. NFL. What do you expect is going to happen when you navigate through your offensive linemen who are protecting you to go at the guy who's going at you, who you just tried to rip his helmet off. I mean, like Mason, Mason, be smarter than this. Bobby, uh, when I, when I mentioned the word, the switch or the phrase, the switch, do you know what I'm kind of referring to? Like the flip switching or like your mom telling you to go grab a branch off, off a tree so she could smack you. <laughs> a good, another drop. Beat his ass. Yeah. You could talk about the, like this, this switch flipping, but it's like, you know, like, and people are bringing up like Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan being like, people think that that was crazy. It's like, yes, hitting a guy, and especially like a quarterback, as much as you should treat everyone equal, quarterbacks are different. Hitting a quarterback on the top of the head with a helmet is so much different than Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan just fighting without their helmets. And there's also a difference between like Lawrence Taylor having a switch where. His switch when he was on on a football field, it was on, but it wasn't necessarily dirty in a way where, you know, you look at, you know, that Theisman hit, right? He gets up and he's, you know, he's calling over the trainers like that's a that's a classy move. But he had a switch on a football field where he was the most insane and intense man on planet Earth. But then you get guys like Namak and Sue and Miles Garrett who are just pieces of shit where their switch is dirty. 
It's just outright flat out dirty where they're making dirty moves. And, you know, Miles Garrett's making late hits on Trevor Simeon that ends his season during that Jets game. And he's shoving Charles Clay after the game and that ten after a after a play in that Tennessee game. And it's just not worth it. where your switch. It's it's being a coward where it's like you're claiming to be a tough guy, but it's coward. It's it's being a coward, whereas guys like, you know. LT with those switches and JJ Watts, another one of those guys where he's just, these guys are just fucking intense and they're insane. So that's being a fucking coward. And that's literally that that's, that's, that's the last thing I kind of want to say about that. Anybody else have any one yeah. any final thoughts on it? Nah, they're good. No, I'm good. Don't let all this distract you from the fact that Mason Rudolph stinks. Wow. Yeah, that is true. He, he was quite bad. I just, I just read a tweet and, and I, I think it's hilarious, and I just lost who it was from, which is wow. really upsetting. Um, but they said the the worst the, the worst fine that the NFL could hand down to the Pittsburgh Steelers is not suspending Mason Rudolph, <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. Good job by you, whoever that whoever was. that was. Oh, oh, I'm like, oh, that was me on the soundboard. I'm the only one who has access. To no, it. no, no. I mean, I mean, I meant whoever whoever no. wrote the tweet. Twitter okay. was gold last night with some of these memes that they made out of Mason Rudolph. I'm like, I can't believe I'm laughing at this. I was literally <laughs> yelling at my TV, but now I'm like, damn, that's a funny meme right there. Basically, where we wanna where we wanna move to next and our big kind of macro uh, conversation that we're going to have, it's going to be kind of uh, two different things. It's going to be why has this season not gone the way that we all have initially intended? Because obviously, the New York Giants are in a very sad, sad, and depressing state. And time of the year right now where it is the middle of November, even the beginning of, of November, you kind of knew that Giants, they weren't relevant in any kind of playoff sense. And that's sad and depressing. We all know that. And then also we're going to be evaluating Dave Gettleman. So on this show, on this episode, we're going to be evaluating Dave Gettleman. But then over on Talking Giants, their half of this roundtable conversation, which David and I will also be on, we will be talking about James Betcher, Pat Shermer maybe even breaking down some individual players as well, individual players that we won't be breaking down on this episode. So if you want to listen to the second half of this conversation after this one is over, go over to Talking Giants and hear us there. So, fellas, I'm going to be playing a voicemail, but as I'm playing this voicemail and as you're listening to the voicemail, this is going to be our first question. Why has this season not gone the way we all, you all, have initially intended it to? Gentlemen, gentlemen, Twitter handle, all things Giants at Giants Things. Fan of the podcast, both podcasts. Definitely enjoy the content and the format. All right, one question for you guys, all of, for each of you. Outside of injuries, what are the three biggest issues with this team this season, and are they correctable this season? And how would you go about correcting it? As I said, enjoy the pods as well as the format. Thanks a lot. Peace. All Things Giants is a very, uh, very close friend, very cool follower, um, really good guy. He's called him once before. We didn't get him. We didn't get a chance to let him on the show. So this is his first time calling in. Um, first time that he's actually been on the show. So uh, who wants to start? Where do we want to go from here? Why has the season not gone the way that we have kind of intended? And um, three biggest issues uh, with this team besides injuries. One thing that's gone wrong with this team, especially I'm going to focus right now on the off the line. Nate Solder, we paid. We, yes, the Giants overpaid it, but as me and Bobby said multiple times, you got to overpay to get a good left tackle every once in a while. And while the signing made sense at the time and his improvement from last year 
into like the second half of the season, mainly after that Falcons game, you thought he would improve and finally be the left tackle we thought he was going to be. He has struggled mightily with Eli Manning and now struggles, it feels like, even more with Daniel Jones. Like, he lets guys go by him so easily, and Jones, he doesn't see people coming in, at least the fumbles, and then most of the time they get recovered by the other team. So Nate Solder is one issue with this team. And just this defense, it's been neglected. Uh, D- Dave Gelman, he's focused heavily on the defensive line. And, yes, he, he's got in young corners with uh, Baker, and then you got Ballantyne, and then he, he traded for Jabril Peppers. But we have no linebackers right now. You got Ogletree, who is he's fine every once in a while, but he struggles mightily. Losing Connolly Hurst, and now we're stuck with Mayo. That was just terrible. And then we had Stu Parr to start the season. Then Antoine Buffet does nothing at free safety. So this team, I, I think I, the Giants said they weren't rebuilded, but secretly in their minds, they have to know they're rebuilding because there's no way you go out there and say this team can go out there and win a playoff spot. I thought since the schedule is easily they could, but just everything's gone wrong, and injuries on that offensive side of the ball really halted this offense to reach its full potential. This So this actually opens up, uh, and, and yeah. Danny, this opens up an interesting question. David, we'll get to you in terms of your three things, but this is what some of Giants Twitter has a, a, a very big problem with when it comes to Dave Gettleman, is that his quotes, his mindset, his outlook on the football team. In terms of, oh, we can win while rebuilding, and especially looking at 2018 as not a season where they need to start a rebuilding process, but trying to go all in one more last time, you know, one more time for Eli Manning in 2018. A lot of people have a problem with that, with that approach and the misevaluation of roster building. So, Dan, I want to kind of maybe make this to, to Danny and Bobby to maybe kind of start. Do you guys think that, you know, these public quotes that Dave Gettleman has where he's misevaluating the roster. Do you think that's just for PR reasons because you can't come out and say that, Oh, we're, we're going to be rebuilding and we're going to be losing. Or do you think, think that's authentically and actually what he believes? The New York Giants, you can't, they're not that franchise that can go out there and say, hey, yeah, we're rebuilding. That's not like something Mary would not want to hear. So I did get it back as my Dave Gelman thought he had gotten guys to build this roster around to win. And he just missed mightily in free agency. Drafted is a different story. But going in with Eli Manning, yeah, you can argue that was a mistake in the 2018 year. But no, I think it was a mix of both. I think he had to say that because you don't want a PR nightmare because that would just drive fans away even more than they already were. So, yeah, I think it's a mix of both with that question. Yeah, I agree. You know, you can't just – you can't – like you can't like Danny said, you can't just say, oh, well, we're not going to win this year. We're rebuilding. Um, but I also do think he was going for it in 2018 because as much as like pe- looking back at that now, it's like, how did he do that? I mean, the team was one year removed from the playoffs. Um, and a year the year before is when every single wide receiver got hurt. So when you had guys like Landon Collins who – it was pretty good. Damon Harrison, Janoris Jenkins, like Olivier Vernon, if he was healthy. And then Eli, who they still believed in that time, and a lot of us did as well. And then you add a Saquon, you have a healthy Odell and Shep and Ingram. Like, I, I don't think it was the craziest thing in the world to think that adding Solder to that mix would make the team a little bit better and like them having a shot at the playoffs and making some noise. But at the end of the day, like what the only thing from that offseason where you can say – be like, oh, like I can't believe he did this, and it cost us rebuilding. Um, or the two things would one be oh, the Ogletree trade, um, and then two would be picking Saquon. But I think a lot of people in the rebuilding like phase would want Saquon around for this as well. Uh, I I agree with both of you on on Justin's um, 
question. I especially like the point about, you know, you're the Giants. You can't you, – you, it is very, very hard to sell a rebuild to, to a New York fan base, right? So, I mean, think about the Knicks, right? It is impossible to sell a rebuild to a New York fan base. So, it's a, it's a thankless position that John Mara and co. are in when trying to navigate the fact that this team just isn't very good. You still need to you need to manage a way to sell the fan base on we're gonna win while rebuilding and and they've done a credit to them they've done a good job in making a portion of the fan base believe that that's possible. To pivot back to the initial question, because I think it's a really good one. I don't know if I can if I can so much narrow it down to three specific things. Um, but the number one thing I would address is there's just an overall lack. And this is something we've addressed. Justin and I have at least addressed on bleeding blue. There's just a lack of impact players on the defense. So when you've got Marcus golden leading your leading your defense in sacks and you're relying on guys like David Mayo and Antoine Bethea and, and Lorenzo Carter to make plays, you're just lacking a guy who can take over a defensive possession, not even an entire game, just a possession. You're lacking a guy who can get you consistent third down stops. Janoris Jenkins, for as solid as he can be, he can also be extremely weak. So you're definitely just missing the the player who can just who you know, and, and a lot of times this guy is is on your front four. You need to be able to go into a defensive possession knowing this guy is just playing at a higher level than everybody else right now, and he is going to shut down this this possession for the opposing team, and we're going to get the ball back. So I, w- I would first say it's it's a lack of defensive playmaking. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers is good at times. Dexter Lawrence is, has been pretty solid all year. Um, Janoris Jenkins has been pretty solid all year. There's a lot of guys who have been good, but there's not one guy who's consistently good or even great. So I think that's that. That's your number one. Um, your number two, I would agree with you, Danny. Um, it's it's. I'll just call the offensive line, but it really is Nate Solder. Let, let's call it what it is, because like we addressed earlier, if not for if not for Nate Solder, the offensive line is actually pretty solid they, they they've they've had a pretty decent year um but there was a stat that came out uh, at some point this last week um that the giants now have surpassed the miami dolphins in the amount of qb hits allowed so they they have now allowed the most quarterback hits in the nfl and that's that's just egregious that that's that is not the way to help your rookie quarterback so but david there's a reason why and we're going to get to that stat on Talking Giants. Are we going to talk about Daniel Jones holding on to the ball? Yeah, good guess. Give me a goddamn <laughs> break. Okay, but um, we're not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's it's a good thing because if the offensive line is giving time for your quarterback to hold the ball, that's what you want. Yeah. Yes, but but it's it's a recipe for disaster. When, I mean, okay, we'll get we'll get into on Talking Giants. If if you want if you want to hear this debate. Go listen to Talking Giants, and we will discuss all of this. Yeah. So, so that that's number two. I, I, no, number three. There. The point is, there's a whole lot of things wrong with this team, and to pinpoint down to three things is tough because outside of defensive playmaker and offensive line consistency, I'll call it, 
you can look a lot of different ways. I, I tend to look wide receiver has been inconsistent in their ability to get open for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones ball security. I, I'm, I defend it, but it's definitely an issue. If you want to look at this season specifically, turning the ball over as much as Daniel Jones has is an issue. And, and then I would also say coaching. I, I, think, I think coaching has been inconsistent at best. I think that's the nicest way to put it. And that, that's, that's, from, that's from Pat Shermer and from James Batcher. So I'm, I'm going to leave it with my two specific thoughts, and then I'll leave it with that third thought that is just this team's not very good. <laughs> yeah, you gave us five things, David, so you technically broke all of the rules. What, what am I going to give you five things? What are you talking about? You said I, this team is bad, so the coaching is bad. Daniel Jones is ball security, and wide receivers not getting open. Those are three things all together that you umbrellaed under one thing. So you're a bad bad guy. Moment number one for you since you did not I, follow the rules. I, it's I, two I, to I, one, Justin. Ma- math is hard sometimes, right? We all struggle to count every once in a while. I really struggle with math. Not me. I'm actually really good at math. Uh, all right, nice. Bobby. Well, you know we can't all be we can't all be math whizzes on Sports it's Illustrated. My okay? only good subject in school was math. I stuck to everything else. Math was the only good thing I had. <laughs> so let me have it, please. Some of us really struggled. Some of us really, really struggled in Miss Kugler's sophomore year geometry class at Xavier High School in New York City. Some of us really struggled. We started on geometry. No holds bad. He was. Suck, he took me Justin. in a low post and won, but I think we. We uh, have a soundboard, and the soundboards are very fun. Soundboards are very fun. Uh, Bobby Skinner. Justin Panic. <laughs> he, he wasn't paying oh, attention. Geez, great, great pod, great, great podcasting there, Bobby. Well, what's the question? Way to, way to be aware of the transitions. Oh Jesus, Lord! All right, so play the, the, play the, the question basic, again. I'm not playing. The, well, well, I'm not just playing tell the me what was the question. Um, so basically, the question it's is: been like 20 minutes. Why has this season not gone the way you initially intended? And then all Giants things asked um, the three biggest issues with this team this season. So basically, why hasn't this team, why hasn't this season not gone the way you initially intended in three different ways? Okay, well, it really hasn't went too far off of what I intended. I mean, obviously, I joke around at the beginning of every season, like, we're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to win every single game. But when we, like, spoke on the show and, like, like, let's be real, we said, like, six or seven wins. So we're at two right now, and that was – that was with Eli Manning playing. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, David, you brought up uh, Daniel Jones fumbles, the one against Detroit, and then the one uh, last week against Jets, both went for touchdowns. Those were in seven-point and, and one-touchdown games. So, like, you can argue, like, if those two plays don't happen, it's a completely, it's, it's a completely different situation. Um, so, Daniel Jones' youth has, has you know, caused it. Um, the defense, like, like David said, it just isn't very good. There's not a lot of, like, like, all, all of the real talent is in the young guys. And now, granted, we've seen some good things out of the young guys. But, but like, youth doesn't – like, like potential – youth and potential doesn't translate into being good in the NFL on defense. So, like, we all knew that going in. Like, okay, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we're, we're excited about the future. Um, and then I'd say the other thing is Nate Solder. While none of us expected Nate Solder to be, like, a hero, he has been – way below what we've expected. I mean, he's been the worst offensive lineman, like, by far. Like, people, people like, like the trash Halapia. And I was like, you know what? Like, he had a bad game against Dallas, but he's been pretty, like, deep. He's been, he's done his job. He hasn't, like, blown us away. And Remmers has had a couple bad games, but Remmers, for the most part, has had been really good, too. So, Nate Solder on the offense really, I would yeah. say, is the biggest blame. And then the injuries. Like, Saquon is obviously not the same. You know, we've both talked about that. 
I mean, he was averaging over six yards per carry in those first two games. He comes back, and it seems like he's gotten progressively worse every week that he's been out there. Um, that has something to do with the two. So, I mean, it's just kind of been a season with some bad breaks and then, you know, mix that in with a, a, a brand new QB. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know all Giants things sets besides injuries, but I, I really, I really can't ignore when thinking about how how this guy. No holds bad. He was. He took me in the low post and won. But I think we had on the varsity. When that guy is building this football team, it's with two six Saquon Barkley in mind. It's with that guy in mind. And when he is virtually not here, because frankly, in my brain, I do not count the first two games of this football season as as actually football games. Like I, I don't know about you, but I have barely any recollection of what happened. Even though I was at that Buffalo game, still think we should have won that. We should have won that Buffalo game, and I'm still salty about that. But you know, this football team and why every single one, every every single one was brought in post McAdoo and post Reese is because of Daniel Jones. So that's when this season starts. And that's who this season is kind of basically kind of riding on. And Saquon Barkley was kind of like the start of this new rebuild and the start of this new vision for what these guys, for what Dave Gettleman, for what Shermer had planned for this football team. And when he is not here, this, the, the complexion of the entire season changes. And even though I'm on the whole big train of positional value and running backs, they don't matter as much as many, 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 many other positions. The fact that they have built the team around him and he's not here and he's not present, it kind of ruins everything. So that was one thing, even though all Giants things asked me to list three things. Can we call that a bad guy move? I mean... <laughs> no, that is not a bad guy move. I refuse to, I refuse I mean, to count that as a bad, I'm a guy, bad move. guy move. Too. Fair enough. Fair as enough. I said, as I, I say so too. And as I said, <laughs> math is hard. Math is really hard every once in a while. But no, you're right. This team was made for Saquon Barkley to succeed. That's why they went out and got Kevin Zeitler. That's why they went out and got Mike Remmer. They didn't want Chad Wheeler to be their right tackle. That's why when Saquon literally looked at the Giants and said, Will Hernandez, like well before, they're like, we get Saquon. That's the guy we want guarding him. Saquon is, is, such, is so important to this team, and he was the reason why this team was, if anything, was going to succeed this year. Losing him. It just fell apart because you have Wayne Gallen, who I like, but he's nowhere near Saquon level. He's a backup running back. And then you had Jonathan Hilleman, who couldn't do jack squat for that game in New England. So just losing him was painful. And then just, I know, as he said, no injuries, but like you can't ignore the injuries on this team. They they just factored in so much. And Saquon's not healthy. He says he's fine, but they, I, there's no way he is healthy. Just look at the tape. You, it's blatantly obvious he's not healthy he's not hitting the holes as fast as he once would it's i'm i'm really all for shutting him down i know he doesn't want to but i'm looking ahead now and i want saquon to be healthy next year no injuries lingering just have a whole full off season of recovery and if if he gets injured now this team just looks stupid for keep putting saquon out there and just beating a dead horse and saquon god forbid he gets injured it just will lead to catastrophic results yeah, and, and I mean, Saquon's injury is huge, don't get me wrong. And, and Justin and Danny, you guys both touched on Saqu- on what Saquon means to this team, and obviously I agree with you. Um, and I agree that Dave Gettleman has built this team with Saquon in mind. But 
you know, this this might be like I, I think people forget. Um, Minnesota was week uh, five, yeah. I think, it was week five. Ryan Connolly goes down tearing his ACL, and Ryan Connolly was playing at a really, really high level at a position that the Giants have not had a, a player playing at a high level in a very long time. And for a defense that now, since Conley's injury, has not been able to stop the run with any kind of consistency and, and continues to get beat over the middle. I'm not saying Ryan Connolly is, is, is you know the best linebacker in the NFC East or the best linebacker in the NFL, but he gave them a building block and he gave them a piece to be excited about and he was making plays and, and consistent plays at that and he was getting better week in and week out. That's another huge injury. Again, I understand the question was not about injuries, but it's very, very hard to overlook them, especially when people then trying to co- try to come at Dave Gettleman for complaining about the way he's constructed this team and neglecting certain areas. He hit, seemingly has hit, on a late-round linebacker who was immediately making an impact, and the guy tore his ACL. So, so yeah, David, this brings up a great point forget. that I kind of that I kind of want to talk about because. The approach that we had coming into this year, and I think both the, both of our podcasts said this, the high and the 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 ceiling could be seven, eight wins. And if everything does go right, you know, you could be talking about the Giants could be in a conversation for playoffs. W- w- I think we would agree with that. I would. Yeah. Yeah. But the floor, the floor is very low. <laughs> and and, that, and all, that's the all, nature. That's the nature of a team with a lot of rookies who you, who you're expecting right. to make immediate impacts and a rookie quarterback. So when you, so when you have such huge holes at certain spots, and we knew there would be holes at interior linebacker, we did not expect the hole to be free safety with Antoine Bethea. But I guess if 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 you really did read between the lines, like Bobby Skinner's been doing recently where Bobby Skinner's been talking about how Antoine Bethea was very much a in-the-box safety these last, few, these last few years, and now the Giants have basically asked him to kind of do a, a, a different thing for most of the time, and he's been a different football player, and he's been a worse football player as a result, which I guess if you look at that context and looking back, you know, Monday morning quarterback, uh, it's not that surprising. So basically, the whole point is, is that, David, we were, we were at a point in week four and week five where we were saying that Ryan Conley is our starting interior linebacker, a six-round draft pick out of Wisconsin, who in training camp we were saying was a project. So when we have certain guys that were saying, okay, Ryan Conley, good football player, but think about the talent and think about where he came from and the fact that we're relying on him on being an interior linebacker, we're at a point right now where we're saying Nick Gates an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska is worthy of starting at right tackle. And Mike Remmers, who played every single position under the sun last year with Minnesota and was not very good, should be our starting left tackle because Nate Solder, a guy that we're paying the second largest contract in NFL history for an offensive lineman, sucks. That's all players. That's all players. And, you know, on paper, Solder should have worked. And that's not Gettleman's fault. That's the annoying thing with people saying fire Gettleman. Yes, he's missed in free agency. And I know people are not a fan of his head coach hiring Pat Shermer. But look at his drafting just like record. And he has hit so far with most of his players here in New York. 
you got Will Hernandez, Saquon Barkley, uh, Corey Ballantyne. He, he's our kick return guy, but there's potential in there if you watch the preseason. Ryan Connolly, as you mentioned. And then just look at undrafted free agents. Last year, Grant Haley was a hit. Now he's struggling this year, but still he had a hit in him, and we thought he could be something. And then Nick Gates went out there at right tackle and played a pretty damn good game. I don't want Dave Gummett fired because I want him drafted for my team, and I believe he's a quality GM. And I want him here drafting. That's all I'm gonna. I'm talking up time, but that's it. Dave Gummett is a good drafter, and I want him drafted for me again. Yeah, and Danny, that's a that's all a great point. And what kind of what what does it tell you about a football team that they have a slot cornerback who is undrafted, and we were relying on him on being a starter, and we had these expectations that he would take these huge second leap bounds and jumps. You know what what does that tell you about the holes that a football team actually has? Now you could say, well, that actually does go on Gettleman because he's responsible for filling those holes. So it's 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 a tough way when you look at either spot. Bobby Skinner, it's it's been a while since you've since you've uh, since you've came in here. Um, we'll have a, one more final point on that, um, and then we will we'll kind of we'll kind of move forward with with some with some thoughts from there too. Yeah, I oh, um, basically are we hearing a. Uh, you guys, you guys are hearing Lucy with her loud ass collar. Um, Lucy, yes, Lucy, Lucy the dog. <laughs> now she's looking at me like, "What are you talking? What are you talking about me for?" Um, uh, anyway, yeah, basically, I think this is something that every fan base becomes a prisoner of. We have these guys like Grant Haley, like Lorenzo Carter, like BJ Hill, where they have these rookie seasons. We're like, man, that was. That was a pretty impressive rookie season for where that guy was drafted or not drafted at all. And we just assume, well, if they had that rookie season, they're going to have this jump and become um, really good players. And that just, that doesn't happen. You know, you may, you, you're lucky to get one of those guys jump into becoming like a household name. Um, and none of them have happened. Like Lorenzo Carter has been solid this year, but not flashy. BJ Hill's kind of been like nowhere to be found. And then with the Leonard Williams trade, it seems like he doesn't have much of a role in the team. And then Grant Haley um, has been horrible. And then they, you know, they brought in Corey Ballantyne. But yeah, so um, every team does this where they like they hype themselves up. And I'm I'm a big, you know, I'm guilty of it like crazy. But I, it's kind of like this is kind of what we expected besides besides the Cardinals game, besides the Cardinals game, and then I guess the Jets game um, because of how things went down during the season. But but going into the season, I don't think anyone looked at the Jets game like, man, that'll be an easy win. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, especially. The Jets were kind of very similar to the Browns. The Jets were expected to kind of be legitimate. Yeah, I, I thought the Jets were going to be a playoff team. I'm, I'm a big Sam. Not to totally get off on yeah, a rant. I, I mean, I, I'm someone like, and I'll make the Sam Darnold jokes just because that's what fans do when, you know, we talk trash with, with as much as we don't play the Jets uh, once every, we only play them once every four years. They are rivals, just a part of being in the same town. But I actually really like Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be a good QB. So like him, him having a good game against us didn't make me feel yeah. bad. Because I think he's going to be good. I think I think that speaks more to who he was than the New England Patriots game does. All right, um, let's do quick little. Um, let's fire off these answers really quick. Your, we'll we'll stick with the number three. Thank you, all Giants things. We will stick with the number three because we already have three on the brain. David, we'll start with you. Um, three biggest needs the Giants need to fill this offseason. Ignore free agency. Ignore the draft. Because, you know, depending on who's out there, depending on who's available, that's going to depend on who you take and who you sign, et cetera, et cetera. But three biggest needs 
that you feel the Giants need to address this offseason in terms of position-wise? Um, free safety. Linebacker. Edge rusher. Danny Boy King. I, I got free safety, as, uh, David, and linebacker as well. The edge rusher, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go left tackle just because I have no faith in Solder right now to get the job done. Edge rusher is important, but I need my blind side of my franchise QB protected, and Nate Solder's not that guy. That's the hesitancy you heard in my answer on the edge rusher was I, I, I go back and forth, so so that's fair. Bobby Skinner. Left tackle and edge rusher are the easy ones for me. Like having an edge guy. Now that that one's all dependent on the draft and where we are, but like having a dominant edge guy like is like such an advantage to a team. Left tackle, obviously I'm done with Solder. I've I've moved on. Um I don't expect him to be on the team next year. Um and then I would say I think there's a bigger hole at um middle linebacker, but I feel like that is a little easier fix. So I'll go free safety because someone's got to play there besides Bethea. And I, we'll see. We'll probably see Julian Love next week, but I, I don't know how he's going to fit there. I say left tackle, wide receiver, and interior linebacker. And I'm talking I want studs at all three. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, we're not getting studs at all three of those positions, to be real, Justin. I know. It's good to want, my father says. Actually, no, that's a lie. I would like I would like studs at every offensive line. No, position. no, I like mean that's <laughs> like a stud kicker. Can we get a kicker? <laughs> no, I actually lied because I actually have. Damn I know it. I've I've gone on the record before and I've said that I want a like mid tier wide receiver out of the draft. Like, give me a slightly better version of Darius Slayton instead of him being taken what the fifth or the sixth round. I think it was the fifth round. You know, give me like a third or a fourth round wide receiver who's a little bit more um, talented, maybe a little bit more. Um, uh, crisp in terms of running his routes out of college. I mean, that's obviously I'm really being nitpicky in terms of my third and fourth round picks, but at least in terms of left tackle and interior linebacker, dude, the, just the, I find the positions to just be so important and I am, you know, all about positional value as Bobby Skinner, um, as Bobby Skinner uh, vomits um, when I mention positional value, but because I mention all the time, we need a quarterback. This guy fumbles too much. <laughs> But basically, I like those are my three biggest uh, position of needs, and and I and I in my brain, I want really really good players at those positions coming out of this for this offseason. Not just saying, eh, we can just we can just have like a guy, you know. I, I just want to question you quick: the wide receiver position, would you want to see Golden Tate stick around still, or would you want him gone? I think it depends on how he ends the season. Um, if if we can see any kind of continual progression, I think it also depends on Sterling Shepard. I think Sterling Shepard is the more biggest the, the biggest question mark here um, in terms of where where he is. Are the Giants even going to know uh, where he's going to be in terms of his ability of of possibly even coming back? Um, we're just at a point where you see the fact that Daniel Jones is holding on to the ball for so long and. You, Bobby, you, I mean, you can you can attest to this as you just watched the film. I'm not even going to ask you why receivers aren't getting open, but maybe I can just ask you your observations on the whole wide receiver separation conversation. Daniel Jones at times just doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. Now, I don't think any of us are intelligent enough to really answer the question, oh, is that coaching and scheming or is it necessarily player talent? 
but I certainly would think that Sterling Shepard being gone and how Sterling Shepard, when Pat Shermer, when he was with Pat Shermer, Sterling Shepard would get that separation. So I do, I would tend to say it's a talent problem and getting another wide receiver in here um, that could, that could run, that could run crisp routes um, would be very helpful. Even if he doesn't play right away, because Golden Tate's contract is basically, what is it, a two-year contract, and then the rest of it's not guaranteed money. So he's gone after 2020 probably anyway. Yeah, Shep really was the guy who can consistently get open. Tate can find the hole in the zone like nobody else, but when teams have actually played him in man, they stuck to him pretty good. Slayton's had his moments, but he also isn't like getting open every play. Um, Shep really was the difference maker, and then Ingram is like kind of the forgotten guy on this team too. Right, And Latimer has like the worst separation in the league. Oh yeah, uh, I'm the the Cody Latimer take that David and I had. Um, it's probably it's probably what we've had some good takes on Marcus Golden. We were pretty much on the Marcus Golden hype train uh, before anyone else. But that oof, that Cody Latimer hype train. Um, yeah, that's probably our worst take to date. It's frustrating. He makes all those good catches as well. Fantastic. Week one, Bobby's band. Oh, all right. Um, should we let's? We were, we were, we were also really high on Antoine. Well, I mean, Bethea, everyone so was high on Antoine awesome. Bethea. We all were. Yeah, I was too, honestly. But I mean, ha- I mean, just like if you're not one of those people on Giants Twitter that's just negative about everything that Gettleman does, Bethea wasn't one of these guys that is going to be here for the next five years. And we gave him seventy million dollars. No, Bethea was literally a stopgap between hopefully somebody that we can draft. And people are acting like you know that Gettleman should be you know bring the fucking pitchforks. We let Landon Collins go for this guy. Yeah, real, yeah, we let Landon Collins go for that guy. And even though he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna pull out. No, this. Justin, don't you know he'll be here till he's forty three? Even though he's like a freaking All Pro and. He's had a great NFL career. All right, let's let's get one more voicemail um, out of here, and it's going to be David. How familiar are you with hip hop? Pretty familiar. All right, so you'll you'll like this voicemail. This will be our last voicemail, and then we'll kind of okay. we'll kind of uh, a wrap. Should we wrap? No, we'll put DeAndre Baker on on Talking Giants. All right, editing note. Hey guys, it's Victor Perez here again. Um, I figured since. You know, Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue is doing a crossover episode on a non-football uh, week for the Giants. I'd ask a non-football question. So my question to you guys, what hip-hop album that has not yet been released would you rather see released and the other one never come out? Your choices are either Act 2, The Turn by J. Electronica or Dr. Dre's Detox album. Thanks, and uh, I'll shut up and hang up. All right, hang up and listen. Whatever. Don't judge me. I judged Bye. him. Wow, I was not. I, I that is not what I was expecting. It certainly was. It certainly was not something I was expecting either. <laughs> I can Justin. I can just imagine you like listening to that question and being like so. Confused. He was not speaking English to me. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> all, all. I all the only singers I know are so like freaking like little pump. Little, like who? <laughs> I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, do you even know who Dr. Dre oh, that's is? That's amazing. Uh he makes he has my headphones that, that I'm wearing right now. Hey! <laughs> Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in All my right, basement. So, um let's answer the question here. <laughs> okay, so so admittedly I am not I I am not uh, a J Electronica fan. Um like at all. Uh, more of a Dr. Dre fan, so I'd have to go with Dr. Dre. 
But I feel like Bobby, I feel like Bobby's the only other one who who actually has an opinion on this. Yeah, I, I my mine is the same as you. Like Bobby. Dr. Dre is is like child, you know, talked to childhood. He he's the one who found Eminem. Um so yeah, I, I, I gotta go with Dre. I'm I don't I don't even I listened to a little bit of Jay Electronica just to prep for this. So um uh, I'm not very familiar with him, so he might be great. I think I listened to like Act Six or whatever it was. But yeah, I got I gotta go with Dr. Dre. Plus like Eminem, you know, as a white guy, you know, every white guy when he was in middle school loved Eminem. Um so he found Eminem. I, I gotta go with my guy. <laughs> Eminem Eminem gave Eminem gave every single white boy who liked rap hope he gave every single white guy hope so like if if dr dre had belief in in eminem maybe dr dre could have belief in me so i have to go dr dre also dr dre is just he's classic and he's been classic like i said jay electronic i i i I really, admittedly, have not dug too deep into what he's got, but that's a legendary line that you just said. If Dr. Dre believed in Eminem, yeah. maybe he can believe in me. <laughs> I think that should be your yearbook quote. That was inspirational, right there. Can we? Can we? Uh, I'm sure. Does Does, does Dr. Dre have a Twitter? Of course he does. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to. Re- I'm going to read never, it. Left you never video. know. I'm. I'm I might not. I got Dr. He, he Drew. He found Eminem. All, all we got is Post Malone. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Drew, Andreas Enfelt, MD. Um, Dr. Eddie Clinic. Yeah, I don't know if he has one. Oh, my God. I can't believe he does he not have a Twitter in 2019. And especially like he's an entrepreneur, too. Dre is like 45. So, I mean, I, I suppose. I know. He came up know, with NWA. Well, Bobby's a boomer, so I mean, like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh boy. All right, all right. Danny dead. He's locked in my basement. Forget about Dre. All right, what? What? I don't even know what we're doing anymore. I just keep doing the same Dr. Dre references. Okay, before before we end this, can we have a face off between Justin and Danny? Who can name more rappers? Yeah, but they're gonna name all these losers right, therapists from nowadays. You young whippersnappers. Now nah, I'll go. I'll go first. I got rappers. I got. Danny's rappers. got rappers for days. <laughs> yes. I got rappers for days. Look at this. You got a boogie with the hoodie. All right, you got that. <laughs> Shit, that was my first then one. You, then you got Da Baby, Kanye West, Lil Tecca, Post Malone, the the modern day Eminem, uh, Travis Scott. Uh, Little Dicky, oh my boy, wow. Little Dicky, another Lil white Dickie, rapper. Okay. Justin, wait, wait, okay, Danny, then, you're uh, giving Justin too much help. Justin, yeah, go. too much help. I that that name, come on, my let's, let's go. Name me three. Give me three more. I mean, a boogie with the hoodie was like my my like wild card pick. Well, too bad a boogie with the hoodie is not available anymore. A boogie with the hoodie performed at MetLife Stadium, <laughs> like. At like a at like a regular season ticket holder hype event, and it was like one of the strangest strangest evenings of my life. My buddy Jimmy, who's also a bleeding blue contributor, uh, he he was with me, and he was like, he like likes that type kind of music. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? It was it was insane. You- um, yeah, I I literally I I don't even think I can name Jay Z. Jay Z. Ah, good job. There you go. Does Jay Z still make music? I'll I take it. Don't even know. I'll take All it. Right. 
Yeah. No, he doesn't. He just makes millions. He's got to become like an NFL owner, right? Isn't that the nice new thing? <laughs> no, we're gonna get we're gonna copyright it. Right, Here we go. All right. Still Dre. All right. <laughs> All right. You... All right, Justin All right. Freestyle. All right, let's uh so uh so everybody, 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 if you're still listening to this, which I thank you so much, uh go on to Talking Giants and hear the second half of this conversation and our conversation on the New York football Giants. We probably are going to get a little bit more serious over there with actually talking about tangible Giants things and maybe get a little bit more micro <laughs> as opposed to this conversation was very macro. Uh, keep on bleeding blue. If you are a first time listener, I want to thank you for listening. I should have fucking said this in the beginning. Great podcasting. If you're a first time listener, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, please consider giving us five stars in the Apple podcast app. We are very close to one hundred danny and bobby thank you so much for coming on it's always a ton of fun we probably will be talking throughout the off season and also we'll uh we'll we'll do something in the off season again on here uh keep on bleeding blue and david do me a favor all you perfect people and stay beautiful